0: Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour, bonjour, <laughs> oh happy day, <laughs> Yes, my name is Jennifer Hadley. We're talking about A Course in Miracles. And today our topic is the prison of body-ego identification. And we're going to be looking in the text of A Course in Miracles at Chapter 4, Section 5. And it is entitled The Ego-Body Illusion. Yes, I've recently been preparing for a program I'm going to start offering in May called Change Your Mind About Your Body, something I've done so much work with and it's paid off so well. And I'd really like to share a lot of that and some of my other Course in Miracles teachers' friends, teacher friends like Alan Cohen and Corinne Zupko, Mark Anthony Lord, and a bunch of others, we are going to join together in this effort. And you ought to be able to go and register and look at the details now at jenniferhadley.com forward slash body, jenniferhadley.com forward slash body. Also, it's on the events page. You can always find everything that's coming up on the events page, including my prayer power class that starts April 17th. So let's get into this. And as always, I like to begin with a prayer and a blessing. So I invite you to place your hand on your heart. Let's take that breath of love and gratitude and be so grateful and thankful for the wholeness that is our true identity. The perfection that is our very essence and nature. So grateful that the perfection is intact. It's pre-installed. It is our spiritual identity. We are grateful to come together, to join together, transcending time and space right here and right now, to recognize our Christ nature and to escape the prison of body ego identification we are grateful to relinquish our attachments to recycling and repeating the past we are celebrating in this very moment our liberation we're sharing the benefits with everyone we let it be and so it is amen 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 Hmm so grateful yes all right so again we're looking at chapter 4 section 5 entitled the ego body illusion and it begins with one of my very favorite most dependent upon truths from a course in miracles this is one of the the truths that i most rely upon for the healing of my mind and you have heard it say me say it so many times if you're a regular listener to this podcast all things work together for good all things work together for good there are no exceptions except in the ego's judgment all things work together for good there are no exceptions except in the ego's judgment so we rely upon this yes not making exceptions so many times when i am have been upset uh, i was able to go to this and just say to myself jennifer you're making exceptions You don't have to make exceptions. Let's relinquish the exceptions. Let's stop making exceptions. Let's rely upon the truth. All things work together for good. Now, sometimes people confuse that statement. So I'm going to take a moment to clarify, even though I've clarified it a few times in the podcast. Saying all things work together for good is not the same as saying everything is intended for good, in the sense that a person has an intention to do themselves harm, or somebody else's harm. They have an intention to humiliate someone, or to make their life miserable, or we're Shaming ourselves, we're self-medicating to the point of hurting and poisoning our bodies, right? These things are not intended to be good for us or for others. So, But all things work together for good. So if something like that happens, the grace of God... Is always present, and the grace of God will bring that thing to the light if we allow it so uh so for instance i've had people say things that were mean and shameful to me, even even other course of miracles people have done that, and what that has helped me in its way it's helped me a number of times. In, in some cases, it's helped me because I could recognize this is this person's cry for love. And I can extend love to them. I can extend compassion and patience and kindness to them. And that may help them redeem themselves in their own eyes because love is always the healer. Love is the only healer there is. So if I extend love to the person who's being unloving, it may bring them back into their right mind, and it frequently does. So there's that. There's also, when someone has been mean and shameful to me, it's helped me to recognize other people's opinions are not my business. What you think of me is not my business, except... It is my opportunity to answer the cry for love and to affirm, regardless of what anyone else thinks of me, I am still perfect love. I always have been and I always will be. And those affirmations are helpful to me. I've also had experiences, which I've talked about, like getting fired from a job that I didn't have sense enough to quit. So it might seem like, oh, this is a bad thing, but it's really a good thing. Uh, If I take the release from the job, which I did as being good for me, like, oh, phew, what a relief. I am not a quitter, so I wasn't giving up on that situation, but I am so glad to be relieved of it. So... I don't think there's a one of us that can't look at our lives right? Can't you look at your life and and think about things that seemed bad when they happened? but now you know that was a good thing, like you're trying to pay your mortgage, you're desperately trying to pay it. You work in a second job, you're exhausting yourself for years, no vacations over time you're sacrificing your your well-being and your family's happiness to try to hold on to this house and then finally one thing comes to another and you finally realize you either have to declare bankruptcy or do a short sale or something and get the heck out of that house and now once you do it's oh my god I wish I'd done that years ago so this these kinds of things in our lives are constant, are constant. Where if we cling to stuff, if you cling to the house becomes a false idol, you're attached to it. It's you need it. You know, it's part of your identity. Then you struggle. So that's, that's the truth for all of us. So all things work together for good. There are no exceptions except in the ego's judgment. That I have pl- applied to my life hard and fast. And obviously it's more difficult when someone's been raped. It's more difficult when someone's house burned down, maybe. It's more difficult when someone has passed away. But like I I applied this to my mother's death in the body, her passing, her illness. All things work together for good. And there was so much good in the last few years of her life because we knew we were in a limited time. We had a complete healing in our relationship, had a holy relationship. I don't think I would have done that had I not had that knowing and found a course of miracles literally right at the time my mom got that cancer diagnosis literally right around that time is when I found a course of miracles and began to do the work that is prescribed here in the lessons and in the text as well and it's living a course of miracles really living this that has profoundly changed my life which actually reminds me i'm doing the living a course of miracles conference in may in uh it's the uk group that's doing it love um them and uh, so happy to be a part of that with a lot of great people, Robert Holden, Alan Cohen, lots of great folks. And so uh, that's, I believe, May 13th. It's a Saturday and uh, it's a great opportunity to hear a lot of wonderful speakers come and join us. Uh, I'll be there for the Folks in the United States starts pretty early, but it's going to be fun. And of course, you get all the recordings, I'm sure. So, all right, you can find the details at jenniferhadley.com on the events page. Um, all things work together for good. There are no exceptions, except in the ego's judgment the ego exerts maximal vigilance about what it permits into awareness and this is not the way a balanced mind holds together so think about how often you've you realize after the fact you had a distant awareness of something so for instance uh sometimes when somebody is experiencing a shift in a marriage a relationship there's infidelity and things like that, and people say I was totally blindsided. I had no idea that they were cheating on me, that kind of thing and but if you if I have a spiritual counseling session with them and we talk about it, they will begin to recognize. I did know, I did have signs, I didn't want to think about them, I didn't want to look at that, I allowed myself to pretend I didn't know, to pretend I didn't see. Stuff that's happening with our body, and our relationships, and our finances, we can do what they call turn a blind eye towards it. But what he's saying here, the ego exerts maximal vigilance about what it permits into awareness. And this is not a way the balanced mind holds together. So this is why I say awareness is curative, awareness is healing. When we allow ourselves to recognize what we're feeling what we're thinking what's going on in our experiences and what are the decisions that we're making that we're pretending we're not making we don't even see it awareness is curative so this is why we practice being present in the moment now and so Our self-forgiveness work is the most healing thing because it helps us release our attachments to the past and the future and to come into the now moment, which is where the love is. In the now moment where the love is, that's where the healing is. And that's why the self-forgiveness work that we do in the Power of Love Ministry In our classes and programs at jenniferhadley.com, we focus so much on self-forgiveness because it liberates so quickly. And we gain freedom from the past, the prison of the past. He says here, the ego is thrown further off balance because it keeps its primary motivation from your awareness and raises control rather than sanity to predominance now we all know about this think of how people try to control their pets or try and control their spouse or their children or their parents uh, trying to control their friends, their co-workers, all the ways that the ego tries to control situations and circumstances. I've talked many times about how I felt like I was a textbook poster child for control freak. And that I uh, one day I had a realization when I was just crashed and burned from the the... Mm. The fallout from all my controlling—the I had really just scorched my life, uh, my relationships, my mind, my heart. I had scorched it all with my attempts to try to control everything, which never succeeds the way we'd like. It just—it is such a uh, really harsh way of living it's so painful to be a control freak and so I I said it I had an aha I said oh my god I had all these friends in AA and 12-step programs and I thought there should there could be a 12-step program for control freaks and then I started to think about it oh who would run the meeting oh no no we can't have control freak Uh, 12-step meetings no 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 that just no no (laughs) i mean actually if you really had a strong leader you could do it and it would be magnificent but um that's part of what we work on in masterful living and finding freedom is releasing those patterns that's how we become masterful that's how we find freedom is we let go of these ego patterns of trying to control it's so disrespectful to try and control other people. There's no love in trying to control other people, even children. It's it's true. It's true. It's a hard truth sometimes. The ego has every reason to do this, to try to control, according to the thought system which gave rise to it and which it serves. Sane judgment would inevitably judge against the ego and must be obliterated by the ego in the interest of its self-preservation. In other words, when we identify with spirit, when we start to do that, even just occasionally, we start to see that the ego and the ego thought system, because that's really what the ego is, a thought system. It's not a being that can make choices, it's simply a software that we plug into our consciousness and become identified with, the separate self, the small selfish self. That's what the ego thought system promotes, the one who is lost, the one who is lacking, lack and limitation are the foundational thoughts of the ego thought system because it's a hundred percent about separation and when we feel separate from source lack and limitation is the only song we know yes so when we start to identify with spirit even briefly we begin to recognize the insanity of the ego thought system. Now, what I love that Jesus tells us in the lessons is He makes it so clear to us, you don't have to believe any of this. Just do the lessons. That's all. You don't have to believe it. Why? Because our willingness to practice the lessons, practice watching our mind, practice going the other way, The Holy Spirit will do all the heavy lifting of undoing the thought patterns. We don't have to figure out how to make any of it happen. But we do have to be willing to recognize every time we complain that all things work together for good. And there are no exceptions except in the ego's judgment. And when we're complaining and criticizing, we are in the ego's judgment. It's rigorous, but we can do it. And the great thing is, the more we do it, the easier it gets. Yes, and we can make massive quantum leaps. We really can. So it doesn't have to be drip, 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 drip. It could be leap, 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 leap. That's what I've seen, and I've seen it for many of the people in my program. So know that for yourself. Now, It says, a major source of the ego's off-balance state is its lack of discrimination between the body and the thoughts of God. Thoughts of God are unacceptable to the ego because they clearly point to the non-existence of the ego itself. The ego, therefore, either distorts them or refuses to accept them. So when we have doubt, that's ego. That's ego. When we feel unsure, that's ego. It doesn't mean we're wrong. It doesn't mean we're bad. It doesn't mean we're a spiritual loser. It just means in that moment, our awareness is running the ego software. And we can go the other way. We can make a U-turn instantly. If we're willing. That's why willingness is the only requirement. So thoughts of God are unacceptable to the ego. Now many spiritual students have done something interesting. They have done put the ego in charge of their spirituality. And when that happens, what's going on is the person is studying spirituality but not practicing it. Thinking about it, reading about it, listening to it, but not actually practicing it. Not making those willingness choices to go the other way. So ego cannot make God thoughts cease to be. Ego therefore tries to conceal not only unacceptable body impulses but also the thoughts of God because both are threatening to it. Being concerned primarily with its own preservation in the face of threat, and remember the ego is under constant threat because God thoughts are constantly in our awareness because we are of god and our mind is the mind of god so we may not be believing them and choosing to think them and give them our attention but they are still there the still small voice never goes away we just if we're ego identified we've set up uh, whatever kind of noise suits us to try to drown out the still small voice. But having been a spiritual counselor for decades, I can tell you when I drill down with someone, they usually are able to say, I did hear the still small voice and decided against it. And that's something I used to do all day, every day. So it's very common. It doesn't mean you're stupid or wrong or bad. It just means you're more ego-identified. And that can shift really quickly. I'm telling you, it can. (laughs) Yes! So the ego thought system either distorts thoughts of God or refuses to accept them. It also tries to conceal unacceptable body impulses as well as the thoughts of God because both are threatening to it. Being concerned primarily with its own preservation in the face of threat, the ego perceives them as the same. Now think about this, how the the body is the ego identity it's it's part of that functioning when we think of ourselves as a body so think of how much stuff related to the body brings us shame it's our thoughts about it so for instance i have cellulite okay i've had cellulite my whole adult life and i in the past i used to feel ashamed of it I don't feel like I really feel ashamed of it anymore. I've definitely come to acceptance of it. And as I've come to acceptance of it, I've also seen it lessening and shifting. And so there's all kinds of things that I notice that as my mind lets go of the opinions, the judgments, the shame that I have had about my body, not only the better I feel about my body, which of course influences the body uh, because I am not a body but I am projecting thoughts onto the body and as I heal my mind about the body and my identity I experience life differently with my body Oh my goodness, it's time for me to take a break Woo, it goes by so fast All right, well My name is Jennifer Hadley. We're talking about A Course in Miracles, and we're talking about the prison of ego body identification and breaking free from it. Yes, yes, yes. A lot more to come, so stay with me. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. Welcome back. So we are shifting that ego body identification to being identified with our true self, our higher Holy Spirit self. Now, one of the things here is that Jesus is saying to us that the, the... Ego thought system puts thoughts of God and unacceptable body impulses in the same category. Uh, Unacceptable. Get them out of here. Don't want to acknowledge them or think about them or have anything to do with them because they are a threat. They are a threat. And because the... You know, one of the things about the body is, interestingly enough, is we can have experiences that feel connected to the body where we actually seem to transcend the body and move into spirit. Think of um, an orgasm of course there's many different kinds of experiences one can have in during an orgasm but you can have orgasms where you feel out of your body absolutely feel just completely transcendent of the physical so and not connected to the body even isn't that amazing so Being able to sweep everything related to to the body that we find unacceptable. And it could be uh, sexual attraction to somebody. It could be the temptations of the body. As well as the thoughts of God. These are the things the ego is intent on ignoring. So... Any thought system that confuses God and the body must be insane. Yet, this confusion is essential to the ego, which judges only in terms of threat or non-threat to itself. In one sense, the ego's fear of God is at least logical, since the idea of God does dispel the ego. But fear of the body, with which the ego identifies so closely, makes no sense at all. So if you were thinking, this doesn't make any sense, Jesus is saying, yes, you're right. The body is the ego's home by its own election. It is the only identification with which the ego feels safe, since the body's vulnerability is its own best argument that you cannot be of God. So the fact that um, it seems like we're a body and we could seem to get sick and die, this is an argument from the ego's perspective that we cannot be of God. This is the belief that the ego sponsors eagerly, yet the ego hates the body because it cannot accept it as good enough to be its home. Think about that. Who's talking about that? That the ego thought system despises the body because it's not good enough to be its home. Now, just pause for a moment and think about the litany of ego thoughts you may have had in your life against the body that it's not good enough. Something's wrong with it, it's bad it's unacceptable, it's ugly, it's weak, it's deformed, it's depraved, in it's cravings and all of that. Attributing, because that is one of the things the ego thought system does, is it attributes the cravings that we have to the body itself. But the cravings are in the mind, they're not in the body. I've talked a lot about that, I'm not going to go into that right now, but that's the thing. We think the body is addicted, we think the body has to go through withdrawal, and everything in the world of form will teach you that is so, and I know it's not so. It's all in the mind, and we can transcend, transmute, and liberate from this idea that we're convinced that the body has to go through things. It flashes into my mind right now that um, there's a a story that Parmanasa Yogananda tells in Autobiography of a Yogi. I read it so long ago, but I, I, I recall that there was a, in his journey of awakening and and being a rather new spiritual student he had uh he he was overweight according to him I guess and again I haven't thought of this or I would have prepared it but uh I seem to recall he tells a story about how he lost 50 pounds in three days That's what I recall. I could be wrong. But it just went away. And that was one of the first miraculous things that happened for him, as I recall. And it's happening at the level of the mind. The body is a projection. Let's let go of what we think things have to be. I've just I've seen it so often that people work so hard, including me, to lose weight only to find it again plus more. I've done that in finances. I've done that with my body. So what I've learned is the consciousness has to shift in order for there to be a sustainable change. The consciousness has to shift. All right, so the ego hates the body because it cannot accept it as good enough to be its home. Here is where the mind becomes actually dazed. Being told by the ego that it is really part of the body and that the body is its protector... The mind. So the, here's where the mind becomes actually dazed. Being told by the ego that it, the mind, is really part of the body and that the body is the mind's protector. The mind is also told that the body cannot protect it. Therefore, the mind asks, where can I go for protection? To which the ego replies, turn to me. So, think of how many millions of times in your life you have turned to the ego for body protection, uh, using the ego thought system to keep you from doing something harmful by shaming, by threatening. That kind of thing, if you eat any of those brownies, you are a terrible terrible person I, I think I mentioned this maybe a couple months ago. I started to watch a TV series uh, about the rise of the um, aerobics movement in the United States and um, it's a fictional series, uh, but I think it, it it's based in some truth and Uh, maybe on hulu and uh the woman who's the lead character in it she's a thin woman objectively she is a thin woman and she's calling herself fat and she hates herself for wanting to eat what she thinks are fattening foods And she berates herself and her self-talk is so unkind. And of course, her talk about other people is really unkind too, mentally. She keeps it all in and she is ego personified. And yet her spirit is yearning to break free of this body identification and this ego identification, one in the same, that it's locked her in. She's in a prison around it. And I watched a couple of episodes, and I just couldn't take any more of the the negative inner talk. It just made me feel like I, I don't I just feel sad for her. I can't help her. She's a character in a program. And maybe she'll get to redemption, but it didn't feel like she would. So, because some people don't choose that. They don't wake up. No matter how painful it gets, they just keep managing and coping without transcending or transmuting. Because they are not listening to the Holy Spirit that still small voice. So the mind becomes actually dazed, being told by the ego that the mind is really part of the body and the body is its protector. The mind is also told that the body cannot protect it, right? Think of how many people believe that our awareness, our thinking happens in the brain. Now, the brain has a lot to do with the body that the spirit can easily transcend. However, we are not thinking with our brain. We are not thinking with our brain. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to have the myriad of stories we have of people who are on an operating table and they're able to pop out of that body identification and watch the operation or people whose body dies in a car accident and they pop out they can see the body they can hear all the conversations all of that and then later they get revived their body gets revived they pop back in or they recognize this is not my time to go and they go back into the body uh, awareness and and connection so all that trans transpires while they're having that out-of-body experience and of course people have auto body out of body experiences that aren't traumatic aren't related to accident or illness that's a whole another thing and um i've read a, a a fair amount about it when I was younger. And then I realized this is all phenomena, spiritual phenomena, and it's not helpful to me. I don't need spiritual phenomena. I am interested in uh, awakening. And spiritual phenomena could be a huge distraction for me. So I just turned away for it. And there was something about studying the different kinds of phenomena that started to feel icky to me so the mind asks where can I go for protection and the ego says turn to me the mind not without cause reminds the ego that it has itself insisted that it is identified with the body so there is no point in turning to the ego for protection or the body The ego has no real answer to this because there is none, but it does have a typical solution. So the ego has a typical solution. It obliterates the question from the mind's awareness. It's like erases the question. So the curiosity, whatever piqued the curiosity, is forgotten. Once out of awareness, the question can and does produce uneasiness, but it cannot be answered because it cannot be asked. So this is why in my programs, the ones where I've created uh, journals, workbooks, the Wonderful workbooks that we work with i people appreciate them so much, and one of the reasons why is because they 're filled with inquiries. There are many other aspects to these journals, but they are filled with inquiries so uh, i all of this came through spirit to me, and these questions are the same inquiries that I have been working with for a long time and they were very helpful to me in awakening my awareness. So that's part of our spiritual re-identification with the higher Holy Spirit self that requires that inquiry and the ego will find everything it can to distract us from the inquiry. So, and including reading spiritual books, reading spiritual books that don't put you into an inquiry, where you can be satisfied just reading the book, collecting the information without doing any real inquiry of your own. You see, I, I used to be satisfied with that, I understood that. So we, we can be mindful when the ego identity is spiritual student seeker who's not finding. And that's one of the things that I, I realized for myself. Oh my gosh, I was seeking so long but not finding. Oh my goodness, yes. Yes. So long I was doing that. And I'd say that in my awareness, in the corner, in a dark corner where I couldn't really see, I knew that I was making a mistake. But I, because I, I was not getting enough traction, just a little tiny bit just enough to keep me from giving up, but not enough to dispel the ego identification. That's why I see people who move into this deeper level of work with the inquiries, with the deep forgiveness work, and the spiritual conversations with uh other spiritual students and the prayer and all of the different things that are possible to do then they start to really wake up quickly very quickly it's amazing how fast I remember having a conversation maybe about nine years ago with Regina Don Akers and we were she was talking in one of the Living a Course in Miracles classes about her uh most intense time of awakening and like me it was a 3 year period and uh i've i've talked a lot about how that 3 years is a really significant amount of time that We can accomplish so much in our awakening in three years if we put the pedal to the metal on certain things like inquiries. So the ego says, turn to me. But then it eliminates our questions. It doesn't answer them. It eliminates the question from our awareness. We forget that. And think about this. Think about how many times... You've had ahas that you can't remember later. Right? So that's when our ego identification is strong. And that can shift. And then you get to keep your ahas. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. (laughs) So uh, the... Here's the question to be asked, Jesus says. Where can I go for protection? Seek and ye shall find does not mean that you should seek blindly and desperately for something you would not recognize. That's key. If you're looking for something you can't recognize, for me, it's just don't look for it. Go to the Holy Spirit say, I'd like this. I'd like to remember the truth. I'd like to live by the light of the truth. Instead of seeking and seeking and not finding. So seeking and ye shall find does not mean that you should seek blindly and desperately for something you would not recognize. Meaningful seeking is consciously undertaken, consciously organized, and consciously directed the goal must be formulated clearly and kept in mind so we keep in mind our goal to be truly helpful to accept the atonement for ourselves to wake from the dream of separation these are all the same things to answer the cry with love to be consistent consistently loving, consistently kind. Learning and wanting to learn are inseparable. So what this tells me, and I can say this is absolutely true in my experience, learning and wanting to learn are inseparable. Now, I, I don't like to use the word wanting, so I use the word desiring. In a case like this, learning and having the desire to learn are inseparable. So our desire precipitates the learning. Our desire to remember the truth precipitates the truth, awakening, dawning in the mind. You learn best when you believe what you are trying to learn is of value to you. However, not everything you may want to learn has lasting value. Indeed, many of the things you want to learn may be chosen because their value will not last. The ego thinks it is an advantage not to commit itself to anything that's eternal because the eternal must come from God. Eternalness is the one function the ego has tried to develop but has systematically failed to achieve. Hence the body dies. So I've talked about this many times, too, in relation to time, and I was just talking about it in the episode before this, about the function of time. Many spiritual students have issues with time. There's not enough time for me to do my spiritual practice, etc., because the ego Is directing their use of time Their thoughts about time Their ego identified in terms of time And so the release from that I found is exactly what Jesus is saying here Eternal... The ego thinks it is an advantage not to commit itself to anything that is eternal because the eternal must come from God. Eternalness is the one function the ego has tried to develop but has systematically failed to achieve. The ego compromises with the issue of the eternal just as it does with all issues touching on the real question in any way. By becoming involved with tangential issues, issues, it hopes to hide the real question and keep it out of mind. So the ego is, many times for many people, afraid of death and seeking longevity, intense concern about aging. All things related to the body, longevity, aging. The healed mind understands I'm eternal, I am not a body. I have the use of this body for a time. How am I going to hold the body in my mind? How will I treat the body? With love, with care, with kindness, with respect? Knowing that the body is made up of elements, elemental beings, bringing this body for my use. Am I in respect of that? Do I have love for that? Can I be kind and caring? Or is the body my enemy? For many people, the body is the enemy. Oh my goodness, it is time for me to wrap this up. <laughs> if you like this topic, check out my Change Your Mind About Your Body program that's coming up. I think it will be very helpful and I, I am grateful to be able to offer it. Let's place our hands on our heart and be grateful and thankful that the love of God is what we are. We are not a body. We have a body. Hallelujah!